0: Welcome to the Thought Leadership Project, a podcast by Jay Harrington and Tom Nixon, exploring how lawyers can turn expertise into thought leadership and thought leadership into new business. Hi, Tom. I expect you to be on fire for today's episode.
1: Aren't I always on fire, Jay?
0: Yeah, well, I know that you're giving a presentation tonight about podcasting and its value to business owners and entrepreneurs and, and probably some professionals. So, are you ready to go with that? I am. It's kind of a cool event. Um, I don't know how much you
1: know about it, but the Detroit Police Commissioner, Willie Burton, does a monthly, I think it's called Small Business Summit, where he brings small business owners in and invites guest lecturers and experts to talk about various Topics, you know, that are germane to running a small business or launching a small business. And this one is broadly covering technology and how you can use technology to grow your business. And then specifically, I'm on a track to talk, yeah, like you said, um, about podcasting specifically. And there's a number of us talking and I'm focused on, as you might guess, knowing me as you do, the whole why. Why would you start a podcast for your business? beyond um, what some people might just regard it as folly or I'm doing this to achieve some sort of celebrity, but what is the business case for podcasting? So excited to talk about that tonight.
0: Yeah, that's great. And I imagine one of the things you'll be discussing with the audience is how podcasting allows you to have interesting conversations with interesting people um, that you might not otherwise have had the opportunity to engage in. And um, with that being said, uh, we're really excited about our guest on today's episode. Kim Rennick is the Chief Client Development and Marketing Officer at Shook, Hardy & Bacon, a national law firm that uh, most of our listeners will be familiar with. Um, And we're excited to have Kim on the show. Kim, uh, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you, Jay. It is a pleasure and an honor to be here.
0: Uh, well that's great and and honor is certainly all all ours um, <laughs> in this case uh, Kim, I wanted to start because I think you know one of the things that in in really intrigued me about uh, the opportunity to talk to you was that I think you know in my experience in in meeting and and dealing with and, and sometimes working for chief marketing officers. Um, at at law firms. I think your your background's a a bit unique. I mean, for one, I know you went to law school, you graduated from a great law school, University of Notre Dame, and you also have a a significant uh, amount of experience in sales um, in a a B2B setting. Um, And I'm curious if maybe we can start by stepping back a little bit. Um, Can you talk a little bit about how that experience with a sales background in a sales driven organization, um, kind of informs your thinking and your current role running a law firm, uh, marketing department, and, and maybe what are some of the key differences you see between uh, you've experienced between how law firms function and how more sales driven organizations function?
2: Sure. Um, So I think that the sales background I have, it's, it's going to be with me every day until the day I die. I think that there's something every um, every day, whether it's my personal life or most particularly in my career, that will guide and help me. I was very fortunate to work for an excellent organization, Thomson Reuters that provided incredible training, Um, incredible training about uh, key account management and how sales and marketing work together um, and public speaking, and how to be an influencer, how to portray your, your thoughts and ideas cogently um, it, to internal and external stakeholders. And that is probably where I would start with how it's informed me is I was very fortunate in my last year at Thompson to have a specialized sales role I sold a specialized smaller product that integrated with the company's larger product. And in order to be successful in that role, um, I had to do the sale before the sale. I absolutely needed to be able to communicate with my colleagues at Thompson why they should bring me in, why it would be valuable to them to have me visit their clients, um, how I could make them look good, how I could make you know, have them earn money because of my presentation and how I certainly wouldn't embarrass them, I hope. Um, so that's one thing, which is, you know, when you work in a law firm, um, our, I every day I view our lawyers as my clients. They are absolutely my internal clients um, and it's my job to make them look good um, and have them trust me. And so I never forget about that part of the sale, first of all, it's the sale before the sale, um, to build trust and comfort and to make their lives easier but then the next layer on top of that of course is strategic sales and account management um, it, again coming from a corporate background uh, i understood very early on i guess it was implied that in order to have a successful sales year you needed to have a plan Um, A strategic plan is nothing more than a a plan with a purpose, right? That had tactics in it of what we are going to sell and what we're not going to do. Uh, But then on top of that, for me, what that meant was having a great relationship with the marketing team um, and the absolute importance, the necessity of clear, great communications. Um, You know, marketers who could tell you, here are the products we're going to sell. Here's what I want you to push. Um, here are the collateral pieces that you're going to push out for it. Um, basically, I feel that in a legal sales environment, whether your partners are your salespeople, or if you've hired professional business development folks who are your salespeople, if you don't know what they're selling, then you've missed the key point there, which is um, the first part is having a very clearly defined strategy of um, coming from your communications side of the house of what you're going to sell and how you're going to focus your message. So I would say those are the big parts of how it's informed me.
0: One follow-up on that, Kim. I'm curious, uh, you know, in terms of the working with the individual attorneys, because I'm law firms are unique in the sense, you know, from a sales perspective, that the, the attorneys are both the service providers uh, in terms of Doing the work, and they're also the ones primarily responsible for for bringing in the work from a business development standpoint, um, I know you mentioned you know strategic planning um, being a, a first step H- has it been your experience i mean what are what are some of the um, i guess obstacles do you find that attorneys have trouble with sort of the second step of turning their strategic plan into you know daily or weekly action towards you know sales and business development
2: well um I can, I guess, you know, I could speak from my personal experience and I, I guess you know this too, like no one teaches strategic planning in law school as far as <laughs> I'm aware, right? So, yeah, you know, just the simple not. act of, right, like making a plan and, and and executing against it. It's not part of the core schooling of being a lawyer. And I know that might be stating the obvious, but I guess to specifically answer your question, um, lawyers are I never forget just how busy and how much pressure they are under every single day um, to perform, to execute on behalf of their clients. Um, I think that our lawyers are just incredibly busy every day, oftentimes with emergent issues for the matters that they're handling on behalf of their clients, Um, that the notion of, okay, and now I need to turn to this business plan and execute against tactics. It's, I suspect oftentimes just overwhelming and almost insulting. <laughs> it's like I've worked so hard just executing against, you know, my deliverables for the client, and now I have to do this too. Um, so our team's view is very much to make our lawyers' lives easier. We can shoulder the burden of doing the actual drafting of the plans, certainly with their input and guidance, but we want to minimize their time commitment on it. Um, but I also, you know, if our team has done what we, we should be doing, which is gaining trust and, and um, building a shoulder-to-shoulder relationship with our lawyers, um, then we're communicating, over-communicating about the tactics that we're executing against and um, working side-by-side with them to move tactics forward. So I guess the short answer is, yeah, I do think that there is difficulty oftentimes in moving forward on the tactics, but I really don't blame our lawyers for it. I I think, that, I think they have a lot on their plates.
1: It's a topic we've covered quite a bit, Kim, because we've noticed the same thing. I call it the, the the sales conundrum for the busy professional because you need to do the activity to generate the business, but you need to do the business to generate billable hours. So you have these dual things, you know, pulling at your time and attention. And what I find so interesting about your background is you're something of a, a unicorn in that you have a sales background and a marketing background. And t- typically my experience anyway, is that the qualities that make someone a very good salesperson um, who tends to think in immediate response instant action those are all good qualities and assets for a sales professional but they tend to then make them not a great marketing professional which is more about the strategy and the long game and sometimes really good sales people don't have the patience for marketing to work And conversely, really good creative marketing people tend to be averse to the things that generate sales, which is prospecting and phone calls. And so your background has both sales and marketing. It's got to make you quite the asset internally to those attorneys who are are dealing with that conundrum.
2: Um, Well, thank you. I um, I like to think that, you know, it makes me an asset. I, um, (laughs) though, as you said that, I... Uh, I kind of laughed to myself because the notion of having patience, that's probably where I, I display my sales person-ness the most. <laughs> is it, you know, being patient is hard. It's really hard for me. Um, but I love, I absolutely love making a long-term plan, um, empowering a team towards those goals and working together towards them, watching those pieces fall into place is so satisfying. And I mean, I will say too, going back to the years of working at Thomson Reuters though, um, oftentimes the sales that we were making were long-term sales. Um, it, oftentimes it took eight months or a year, maybe even longer to from first meeting to signed contract. And then that signed contract was a multi-year contract that needed nurturing and attention. Um, and problem solving all along the way, if you wanted to maintain and grow that business. So um, I guess probably that longer term thinking was very much reinforced for me through Thompson.
1: And I wanted to ask you about that, because those are sometimes muscles that need to be built, especially if you're engineered to be more of a sales type of mindset. And ways that you can build those muscles, or maybe inject some discipline into, as you called it, your clients. your attorneys at your firm is to think more in terms of a campaign as opposed to either tactics or even a series of tactics. I've seen whether it's law firms or or any company really when it comes to marketing, they either stick too long and doing the same old things. They might be doing what they did 10 years ago because the same event sponsorship comes up year after year or the same program book ad comes up year after year and they're just checking off boxes or they'll jump from tactic to tactic because something new and exciting happened and they don't have the discipline, again, like you said, to play the long game and have and build those muscles and think long-term and strategic. So I'm interested for you, if you could talk a little bit about the work that you do at Shook, when you think about marketing in terms of campaigns, how do you, not only do you approach it, but then how do you convince the people that you serve to have the patience to commit to a campaign as opposed to one-off tactics?
2: Um. That's a great question, thank you. And I have to say that the absolute first building block for anything we do uh, here at Shook is our firm's strategic plan. And I can't, I can't sing praises about that enough. Um, very lucky, I, I am very fortunate to work at a firm with tremendous leadership where you know, it's been identified and communicated many times across the firm, up, down, um, and repeatedly about where are the areas we want to invest, And what are the areas we want to grow? And what are the areas we should probably try to avoid? So that's overarching the big picture, um, foundational building block for me and our marketing team. But then um, through the tremendous leadership of our chair and our executive committee uh, and their incredible trust, they've empowered us to lead the creation of business plans for each of our nine practice groups and that's where we further refine tactics that will align with that overarching strategic plan. And those are largely business development tactics. Uh, But then on top of that, um, again, firm leadership, I I just can't say enough about it because I think the key differentiator for us here at Shook is that we have great leadership and our firm leadership has empowered me and our team uh, to be creative and pursue really exciting marketing, Ventures that I honestly might make some lawyers uncomfortable because it doesn't look like what other law firms do. Um, but we worked together. I have an incredible communications team. Um, our director of communications worked diligently to craft a strategic communications plan. Um, and inside of Shook, I know I sound very complimentary, but this is a great firm. Really smart lawyers with tremendous backgrounds, um, particularly in the health science and technology space. We also have a lot of lawyers who are just great people. Um, and our, our clients oftentimes say how well that our lawyers solve problems and also how deep their scientific knowledge is, You know, deep knowledge in health science and technology. Well, right there are the foundational building blocks for a strategic campaign. Um, there's so much good to market there um, that I and our director of communications And the rest of our communications team, we sat down and diligently mapped out um, some ideas uh, that ultimately led to overarching taglines and messaging for the firm. But then that iterated down to the campaigns that you're speaking of. um, And one in particular Uh, It came about talking about how our lawyers, a tremendous number of our lawyers, our first chair trial lawyers, and our firm is almost 100% litigation. They are brilliant on their feet. And then layer that against that health science and technology background. We have talked about unicorns, um, a tremendous number of lawyers who are able to stand up in front of a room of people and condense a very complex scientific topic into something easy to understand and um, concise. So, like, oh, my goodness, what better way to communicate that skill, um, to be able to show our clients and potential clients in the world at large who Shook, Hardy, and Bacon is than to roll out what we ultimately deemed our 60 Seconds of Legal Science campaign. Um, It's available on YouTube and LinkedIn and various other social media outlets, Instagram, um, where we're featuring a variety of our partners speaking in about a minute on a high-level scientific topic, but in a way that's easy to understand. You hear their voice and it's animated. And um, I I think our firm has been really excited about it. I think to answer your question on how we do that, um, so we have the backing of great leadership, um, which also has given us a platform to be able to, you know, for me to go before our executive committee and present a 60 seconds of legal science and say, I would like to pursue this. Um, And once they see the final product, um, they were like gave us the thumbs up and endorsed us to move forward to produce more. And so we're right in the middle of that series. Now we push out about one a month and I have to give incredible props to the team um, because it's all produced completely in house, Um, edited, written, scripted, um, recorded, (laughs) animated finished produced completely in house. Um, so, you know, it's with tremendous backing um, that's allowed us to refine our own plan, which I, sh- I should say, um, and I don't want to belabor it, but the truth is in order to do that high level marketing, that also means when you're inside the world, lo- the walls of the law firm, there's a lot of stuff you have to say no to in order to say yes to the high level things like a campaign. Um, there are requests that come across the transom that might not directly align with our strategic plan. Or with the work of marketing the firm that we have to redirect um, or communicate about that no we can't do this and this is why um, so it takes a bit of strength of spirit <laughs> to have those internal communications so that we can so that I can empower the team to do the higher level work.
0: Kim, speaking of of campaigns and kind of circling back to where we started, which was about um, you know doing sales and and. Selling before the sale. I imagine when you're doing campaigns such as your your life science series, um, there, there probably is some component of um, education and sort of consensus building among the attorneys to get them actively involved in the campaign itself and to get them behind it. Um, you, can you talk just broadly about how to go about, you know, creating enthusiasm and consensus for Uh, you know, an integrated marketing campaign internally. I mean, what are, maybe if if there's any tactics, I mean, one thing I've seen work is, you know, identifying some of the people who would essentially be some of the pioneers for, you know, a a particular campaign, the attorneys that are going to be enthusiastically like writing blog posts, or in this case, filming videos, and other people see it and then get on board. But what are some of the things that, that you've done to encourage that internal consensus and enthusiasm?
2: Oh, sure. Um, and I'm with you on that. I, I think that there is tremendous strength in finding early adopters or um, a pilot uh, program member, if you will, and engaging with him or her uh, to demonstrate the value and then build upon it and scale it larger. I, I really do think that that is part, if not almost completely, the secret sauce. <laughs> In law firms, um, or maybe it's in business at large, too. Um, But I also just generally believe, and this is simplistic, but I think most problems in business, but maybe in life, are solved by communication, more communication, more frequent communication about what you're doing, and especially if you're trying to influence an internal group, um, in this case lawyers, on something, I think that it's really important to be able to communicate what's in it for them. You know, what's in it for them to engage with us. So to, to specifically answer your question, um, and using 60 Seconds of Legal Science Campaign as an example, um, we came up with this idea and decided that it was something that we wanted to pursue. And we went ahead and found a willing internal participant um, and crafted the script on his behalf or in conjunction with him for his approval and went ahead and had him record the script and animated it and put together the piece because at the end of the day, we're doing it ourselves. And so there was very little cost to doing that Um, just a little bit of his time because we did the the writing. Um, And then with that in hand, I was able to then start showing it to important decision makers at the firm, Um, our chief operating officer, our chair, um, ultimately then our executive committee. um, I presented it to them at the beginning of the year last year um, so that they could say thumbs up or thumbs down or, hey, can you tweak it this way? Uh, um, And once we had the thumbs up, then the, the true influencing begins, communicating about it internally. Um, I, I do think that communication is something that we do pretty well at Shook. Uh, lots of internal meetings um, I know that doesn't sound <laughs> good, but I mean it in a very good way. <laughs> Lots of different I- internal people groups, like, you know, the associates meet. Uh, we have a, a women's management council who meets, you know, there's diversity team meetings, there's chair meetings. Um, so I wanted to make sure I'm getting in front of people at all of those influential meetings to talk about this and gin up excitement and get people to raise their hand and say, I would like to do one of those, so then we could start mapping out an editorial calendar of who would be uh, recording and when? and you know getting so our team could put together a calendar of um, production cycle, and we could get it pushed out regularly through social media. And I can say ultimately, I don't think there's a single member of the marketing or BD team who doesn't touch this project in some way, whether it's a BD team member influencing or gathering input from lawyers who get on the list, or it's one of our writers writing the script, um, our social media professional pushing it out, um, our director of communications overseeing the whole thing, our design team doing the actual creation. So it's a true team effort.
0: Kim, the thing that, led me to reach out to you in the first place was that your video series was something that did catch my eye i thought it was unique um the animation elements were were unique it was it looked like something that was um a little bit more something like a, along the lines of uh maybe a, a global consulting company would be doing or something in the tech space and i think that's a uh, um, a testament to the, the the fact that you guys are doing something interesting and different. Um, in, t- in terms of maybe just talking about uh, how you're using uh, kind of a multimedia experience to um, publish thought leadership at the firm. I mean, I think when most lawyers think of thought leadership, they think of, you know, 2000 word um, written pieces. You guys are using 60 second um, video snippets. Um, I guess what... What has been your experience kind of uh, doing things a little bit differently and and publishing content and thought leadership in in a different form than many other firms are doing?
2: Well, I I think the key thing that drives us is, uh,
1: yeah,
2: uh, several of us within the marketing team, within Shook's marketing team, we are quiet nonconformists. And I say that with deep love and affection <laughs> because um, you know, I, I think that we want to stand out and we really don't wanna do it like everybody else. So that, that is, if I'm being really honest with you, that's part of what's driving it. Um, I also think that you know, I, many members of the team are true students of business and read and, you know, multiple different publications every day about the direction of the world um, and business, and you know, pretty much everybody tells you that that podcasting and video is where it's at. <laughs> you know that YouTube searches outnumber. I think they outnumber Google searches, or something. Like I might not have that statistic correct, but I know it's an incredible growth in people who go to YouTube first to search, yeah, rather I think than. You I think
0: that's, I think it's the second largest search engine now, perhaps YouTube. And if I have that right, we might need to fact check this episode. But in any event, <laughs> it's something significant. So sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But I think I wanted to just emphasize the point you were making, which video on YouTube is is a huge source of search.
2: Yeah, thank you. Uh, and, and so, I mean, that's part of what's driving it. I also uh, look Admittedly, this isn't very market research based. This is more gut feeling based, but who has time anymore? I mean, really, like all of us are so time pressed. It's the American experience. Um, our, our attention is fractionated all the time. And if it's as simple as watching a one minute thing, I can commit to that. And if I can commit to it, I know most people can commit to it. But can I commit to reading a multi page? 10-point font piece? No, <laughs> I can't. And I might not make it the whole way through. But that one-minute piece, if it's done well and well-written, um, might leave a bigger impact for me than a longer, more thought-out piece. And I don't mean to diminish the big pieces. I know and understand there are places for pieces like that. They have a place in society. They're important. But from a marketing standpoint, um, it just didn't seem like there were many other law firms doing small, small snippet video or animation pieces in an impactful way. And we really wanted to make a mark as somebody who did.
1: Well, and here's another anecdote, Kim, to back up your unscientific research. Um, <laughs> this week, I, I, there was a piece of content that I posted on LinkedIn and it generated more likes, comments and views than anything I've done in the last 30 days. And it was literally a three second animated gif that our design team put together. And you wow. talk about standing out, it's because you're right. It's people are looking for things that stand out, not that blend in. And we're big advocates that Jay mentioned it earlier. Thought leadership comes in many forms. And we have to dis- dis- uh, distance ourselves from the notion that it's all about the written word, which like you said, is so important. Um, and there will be people in times and instances where people rely on the written thought leadership to get really deep into a topic, but, Initially, you need to give them what we call snackable content, which is sort of you're earning their attention, you're earning their permission to at some point in the future, get that person to invest in a 2000 word article or a 30 minute podcast, but you're not going to do that in this day and age right off the bat. So a 30 second video, a 60 second video, a three second GIF, that might be enough to at least open the door to earn that trusted attention.
2: Yeah, it, right. Or it might be that like, opens the door even for that bigger meeting, that bigger in-person meeting that's what we're, you know, going for. Or it might be enough to, you know, keep us top of mind when the next litigation matter comes across on that topic. So um, just keeping us top of mind <laughs> is, is what it's for, but I'm with you.
0: Yeah, and I'll just jump in on this piece of the conversation too uh, and just say that I I think that the the idea of, you know, producing short snackable pieces of content that that is a definitely a standalone tactic um and it also you know if you're if you're a thought leader if someone out there who's um you know producing content or thinking about producing more content think about each core idea of of that you're either writing about or podcasting about or creating a video about as as the the impetus for a campaign for that piece of content. So I mean, we, we like to think of, let's say we write a, a thousand word blog post on something. Well, how you promote that on LinkedIn through your status update is just a part of a campaign of marketing that content or how you tweet about it or perhaps you're gonna produce a short video snippet about that content. So, so think about you know, the ideas that you have that are forming the basis of your thought leadership that you're sharing out in the marketplace of ideas um, think about an integrated campaign approach to marketing those ideas and that content. And that oftentimes means creating various forms of um, content around a single idea.
1: For sure. So I guess maybe we'll pause the conversation. I was going to say end, but we'll pause the conversation there and have you on another time, Kim, to continue what I found to be a really fun and engaging conversation before we let you go um i'm just going to ask is there anything you want to point our listeners to if if you prefer people to connect with you on linkedin or or check out your firm site i i do need to uh, give you a soft plug because i'm aware of an award that your team won and maybe you can just talk a little bit about that and then tell uh, our listeners how they might be able to stay or get in touch with you
2: oh that's really kind of you thank you so much um, yes, our, our marketing team recently won an award uh, from the Legal Marketing Association Capital Chapter here in Washington, D.C. for the launch of our cannabis practice, uh, which is very much fits in with our campaign. We have a 60 seconds of legal science on the cannabis practice, which very much goes to your point, Jay, about um, you know it, it, each part thing that you push out should be part of a larger campaign. And, and so the cannabis practice we launched this year, it's Um, part of our health science and technology focus, but also um, part of our campaigns that we're pushing out. Um, If anyone would like to get in touch with me, certainly I'm on LinkedIn. If you'd like to see our campaign, I welcome anyone to visit our YouTube channel uh, where 60 Seconds of Legal Science lives, um, but also certainly shb.com. That's the home of Shikardi and Bacon.
1: Great. Jay, well, I'm off to polish my presentation before presenting on podcasting tonight. Uh, I'll hand it off to you.
0: All right. Well, good luck with that, Tom. I'll be coaching my... fourth graders uh, basketball game tonight (laughs) while you're doing that. So um, I'll be on a a different type of stage uh, with an unrulier crowd, unfortunately. (laughs) You Um, never know. (laughs) Yeah. In any event, Kim, I just want to say thank you for for joining us. It was a real pleasure and and learned a lot from you. And I think you guys are doing great work at Shook. And for our listeners, thank you for joining us. Uh, Come back next week for another episode. And um, in the interim, uh, we hope that everyone has a great week. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Thought Leadership Project. For show notes, additional resources, and links to the tools discussed on today's episode, visit thethoughtleadershipproject.com.